This is Joshua Holt with the City and the Sound Podcast. I want to thank you guys for listening in. Today's artist is Alex Horkerson. He's a singer and songwriter, making some of the best indie rock here in Birmingham, Alabama. Before we get started, kind of get into all the details of this episode, if you have any artists in different cities you'd like me to interview, email me at the city and the sound podcast at gmail.com. And before we get into specifics and into the day's interview, I'd like you to open your ears, expand your mind, and listen to this. When the storm comes, pour me a drink. As the trees fall and the buildings sing And if I die here, at least I'll die have to sit around and wonder why and if I wander out into the dark don't go searching I want to leave my mark Alex Wilkerson hey Um, and thanks for coming on this, you know, um, it's, it's nice to have you on here. I, I always wanted to tell you this, uh, when, when we played together at uh, Mom's Basement, the first thing I thought was like, man, this dude looks like the dad from Inside Out. <laughs> um, <laughs> I wish I'd seen that. I, I have no idea. <laughs> it was all it was all in the mustache, really all it was. Yeah, the mustache, yeah. Rest in peace. <laughs> <laughs> Why'd you cut it off? Um, you know, and maybe maybe this is too deep, but... I feel like if you have any facial look too long, it, it, you have to wonder to yourself eventually, what am I hiding? Uh, you know, yeah. like, because before that I had a beard, but like after a while I was like, do I have something against my face? You know, <laughs> like. <laughs> yeah. I feel like I've had this mustache for like six years. It was a thing of like, I once I took it away, people were like, who are you again? Yeah. So it kind of became just like a, a center point in my face. Well, that's another fun thing, too, is just scaring people with your bare face, you know, like, <laughs> like I, I shaved my mustache one day and just like was in front of my roommate and freaked him out. And it was great. <laughs> you know, <laughs> he's like, who took my roommate's <laughs> <laughs> So, man, so uh, how did you get started playing music? Well, you know, I uh, started playing guitar probably when I was in the fifth grade, maybe. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, did like show choir in high school and like theater and uh some some point in college i guess it was like 2016 i really wanted to play like live shows but i was like really afraid to i kept you know um putting myself out of it you know saying like you can't you need like three hours of material you can't do that and things like that but eventually i just kind of like forced myself to do it i was like you're gonna play you're gonna book something you're gonna play and eventually that's that's how it kind of started. Was there like a family like history of music? Not at all. Um, yeah, my uh, my dad's one of those guys. He says, "I like '80s music." <laughs> you know, <laughs> like that's it. <laughs> you know. <laughs> but yeah. So, like, what did you grow up kind of like listening to to kind of? Oh well, you know, I guess 
you know, my, uh, my mom was really into the Beatles. Mm-hmm. And so around fifth grade or sixth grade, I got really into the Beatles and that was kind of, that was kind of the start, you know, and, and it was funny cause I thought I could sing, but I thought I couldn't dance. And that kind of led to me learning guitar to mm-hmm. have something to do with my hands, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you have like a fair Beatles album. Oh, I'll let it be. Oh, that's a good one for sure. Yeah. yeah. So my first tattoo, it says, let it be. Oh shit. Hold up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I like, uh, I got really in the Beatles in high school because, like, most of my childhood was, like, primarily R&B and hip-hop. So I was like, all right, I got to see what this rock music thing's about. Yeah. <laughs> so I got into the Beatles. <laughs> that's a good one. That's, like, that's like a good start, you know? Yeah. Was there, like, there other bands, like, kind of besides Beatles that kind of, like, formed? Well, you know, I, um, you know, as a kid, you know, I went through a, I went through a Guns N' Roses phase. Oh, shit. <laughs> I think because of Guitar Hero, just yeah. because of Slash, you know? <laughs> and, uh... That was actually messy because I read Slash's autobiography in the sixth grade, and it's uh, you know, I learned some words and learned some things that I probably shouldn't have, you know. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but uh, but uh, yeah, eventually I got really into, especially in college, like Bob Dylan, mm-hmm. lyricists like that, Leonard Cohen, Joan Baez, that sort of thing. So would you kind of primarily consider yourself like a songwriter? Yeah, definitely, definitely. Uh, the words are so. I mean, progressions are equally important, but I really get into lyrics. I really enjoy lyrics. Is there like certain like, do you, who's like some of your favorite songwriters? You kind of just kind of, kind of pull from, or you kind of, I guess inspired you to write songs, kind of in similar means. Um, you know, um, I've always, you know, Bob Dylan. I'm just like, I, I'm one of those kind of fans with him. You know, like just obsessed. I've seen him like twice. Oh uh, shit. I'm one, I was going to see him again, but then, you know, COVID, right? Yeah. But um, Bob and, like, Leonard Cohen's really inspiring just because he does, like, so much work with, like, religion and, like, deities and, like, sex. Like, he's so open about sex, and it's so revealing and honest. And I, I've always sought to be as honest as possible, you know? Yeah. I think it was kind of songwriting. Do you think you're kind of more like introspective or kind of more you write from like a kind of observational perspective on songwriting? Uh, Mostly introspective, Mm -hmm. mostly introspective. But newly, I've been kind of writing outside of my comfort zone, trying to write about like, you know, world events, things like that, but also more abstract concepts. Um, I'm working on an EP right now, and uh, I have a song on there about a psychic vampire. Oh, shit. uh, Which is like... Kind of like a, basically a just a person that feeds off of the negative it energy yeah. of others. Yeah, like basically just an asshole. But <laughs> you know, I, I that song is not only about like like psychic vampires, but also like the idea of like you know, um, I've been really getting into like cults in a way. Yeah, not like you know, I, walk- like, you're like just hand me a pamphlet <laughs> as you walk in. <laughs> no, I uh, you know it's just interesting that the mindset that gets people there and like the leaders of those groups that like just decide they're really good at lying and that's just what they're going to do. You know, I mean, it's really, and that psychic vampire kind of gets into that as well. I feel like what cults seems like, like traditionally, like in the sixties and seventies was kind of that, you know, disconnect from like the older generation and the younger. And a lot of people were kind of disillusioned about what my purpose is. And like cults were kind of just a easy way to be like, this is your purpose. Just join us. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, they definitely target people who uh, don't have, like, uh, a core group to belong to. It's all about belonging. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's what's so 
what's so scary about cults is that normal, you know, smart people join them, you yeah. know, and it's all, it's just amazing that like, like, I mean, L. Ron Hubbard, you know, like Scientology, like they not only, I mean, they get actors and stuff, but yeah. they get like regular people, engineers, and scientists, like scientists. Yeah. yeah, and that's really insane to me. It's like all this scientific knowledge you never. It's like you really think there's like a, a an alien with fucking seven forty seven with your science degree. <laughs> so weird. It's so weird, but it's it's you know I, I think that goes back to human nature. Everyone needs a place. Yeah. You know. So kind of what was your like early songwriting experience about like if you can kind of remember like your early kind of songs you started to write? Oh yeah, you know like. Uh, the classic, you know, songs about relationships, interpersonal, mm. you know, and I and I still do those, you know, I still write songs. I, I write a lot of songs about my mental health too. I, I like try to be, I try to be really honest about like struggles I've had, especially with like depression mm-hmm. and anxiety. I have terrible anxiety, and uh, you know, I I kind of try to focus on those things in like a leading toward a positive manner, you mm-hmm. know, leading toward like, um, clar- clarity, clarity. Yeah. That's one thing about your songs. I really noticed and kind of really dig about them is that there's like, there's kind of this, there's a hint of like of sorrow there, but it's also like really hopeful at the same time. Yes. And that's, you know, that's a little bit of a newer part for me is the hope. Cause like I have a lot of old like just sad boy songs. But, <laughs> sad <boy> song. <laughs> I mean, my early songs are just sad boy songs. But you know, and, and part of it too is like actually getting a therapist. You know, like getting a good therapist who and really wanting to work on yourself. That mm-hmm. eventually they start becoming hopeful. Yeah. You know. Do you think? Um, do you think kind of the kind of songs are sort of like a catharsis of like taking those emotions and kind of just shedding them out in a certain way absolutely i mean every time i write a song like that it's it's one of those things where uh it cannot be inside me any longer yeah you know it has to come out and and it's weird because you can i'll wake up some days and i will feel that energy and know that i have to write something that day Mm -hmm. and uh it's really powerful you know which song do you think kind of means the most to you as far as like emotional resonance um it's hard to say. I, I've got a, I've got one song right now that's kind of been my closer, or was my closer before shows ended, and uh, it's called Breakdown. And I wrote that one while I felt like I was really having a true emotional breakdown. I remember very specifically, like like uh, I was working at this hotel and we had like a snow day, and so they offered to let us all stay there. And I remember I was walking, and I, at the time I had just lost my band. Um, there was a girl I was dating who broke up with me and uh, I just lost my job too. So, That's a th- trifecta. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, it was, it was really funny cause I, I got called. I, I told the universe and I told myself that, well, the only thing keeping me in Birmingham is this band, this relationship. And you know, I got a job yeah. and immediately it just like knock it out. Yeah. Out. <laughs> but I was walking into the hotel that I had just gotten a job at and I remember the wind was blowing hard and I remember the there was an airplane over my head and like there's a church right next to it that the bell was ringing yeah you know and uh that's when I kind of wrote breakdown and I was running out of I was running out of my prescription for Zoloft <laughs> <laughs> and uh I had 
you know, insurance is terrible. Yeah. And I had kind of, I couldn't go to a psychologist anymore. So I had, because it was too expensive. So I had to go to like a regular doctor every couple of months and be like, Hey, I ran out of my Zoloft. Can you fill <laughs> me? me up? So, <laughs> but, um, yeah, that, that's probably one of my most powerful ones about like mental health recently. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I really, I feel, I feel very close to that one. What do you, um, so I know like I've seen you play electric acoustic. Are you kind of, is there, which like, as far as like, do each kind of worlds kind of present like pros and cons of going like, you know, electric with a full piece band or like going acoustic just solo? Oh man. Um, well, you know, the hardest thing about, and I just right before COVID finally got a three piece together that was just killer. Yeah. My buddy Alex Horn played bass and. It's funny. I saw him comment on your post today. He was uh, about this podcast, but uh, and my buddy Shaq, who played drums, I mean, yeah. they were both killer. But yeah, the the pros of a band definitely are just like you can chill and you can focus on your delivery and you can focus on your. I mean, you have to do that either way. Yeah. But when you're solo, it's so hard to maintain that energy because, I mean, if you face it, you know, a lot of people like. They want to see a band, yeah. you know, and a lot of times there have been shows where I've been booked in between two bands. Oh, so they kind of like drop out, and they're like, oh, guys playing guitar is kind of... Yeah, yeah, but it's really cool when you can maintain that energy and people really notice it, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, I mean, and that makes me think about, I played a great show in Atlanta earlier this year where, once again, I was between two bands, mm-hmm. but because I something was right, you know, I just kept that energy, you yeah. know, and it, it worked, mm-hmm. you know, and... That's a real struggle with um, doing a solo act. <laughs> Do you think it's kind of like, I think you're really like intense, not like a, there's like certain solo Disney where it's intense where it's like, this is abrasive, but it's like, it's intense, but in like a really good way. Oh, yeah. Well, thank you. Yeah. I, uh, you know, and, and I think a big help is that I do electric guitar with a bass drum, you know, mm-hmm. like that adds so much more sonically to it. But, you know, I, uh, I also do, I do this thing where I'm really serious about drinking like a shot of cold brew before a show. Really? I do it every time pretty much. Hmm. Um, and that helps. <laughs> that helps a lot. <laughs> so this guy's really getting into it. <laughs> yeah. Well, and you know, I I also you know, I told you earlier I've I kind of quit drinking in May, but before that, like last year, I had like one really bad show and I was like man, why was it off? Why was my energy bad? What was going on? Mm-hmm. And then I realized, oh, I drank six beers before I played. <laughs> you know, like that, that, that doesn't help, you know? So that was a, that's another big part of it too is just maintaining your like full mindset. Yeah, while you're there. It's like, you know, it's like when you're like, I assume when you're about to play, when you're on a football team, and yeah. the whole day you have to stay in the mindset. Yeah. And, uh, you know that's that's me when I have to when I'm pl- about to play a show. I think about it all day. I feel like when I play shows, I can't yeah, I can't drink. I'm already a lightweight as is, so like mm-hmm. two beers, I'm fucking down. But as far as like even if I drink like a little bit of one beer, it's like I I'm like, what's the chord again? You know? Yeah. Yeah. No, definitely no. I uh, <laughs> and you know I you know I've had bands before where you have to tell members like, okay, no weed before this show because <laughs> like. Because, you know, that can throw you off, too. I Yeah, I think it's really important to, 
I mean, I guess if that's anything I've learned from playing in Birmingham is that you have to be on your game, you know, because, I mean, pre-COVID at least, there's so many shows, you know, there's so many nights where I would play shows where there were like four other shows going on, you know, so like you got to be ready. You've got to bring it every time, I feel like. Mm -hmm. And it took me a long time to get there because, I mean, in college, you're just... You're just having a good time. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and so when it's like actually like wanting to like make a profession position, it's like, all right, I got to like step my game up and like take this seriously. So that way, you know. I mean, you got to be not, I mean, and you know, my whole thing is always trying to be as original as I can be and as unique and like as true to myself as I can be. But more than that, you've got to, you've got to have a product, you know? Yeah. And I, I focus on that. Speaking of Alabama, do you think like there's like any certain like Alabama musicians or like albums that have kind of influenced your sound? Oh man, um, well, uh, Auburn bands, um, we all love Lady Legs. Mm-hmm. If you talk about Lady Legs, I know them. Yeah, yeah. Uh, anyone in Auburn, you know, we're all fans, and I'm I'm friends with a couple of those those guys. They're really cool. Um, and that surf jangle pop sound, I'm really into, and that's kind of influenced me. Um, also, like, the album Shakes, for sure. I mean, Brittany Howard is just unbelievable. Yeah. Um, so those are probably the two big ones for me. I was going to say, I could kind of see the surf sound, because you got, like, a Fender. Was it Jaguar? Yeah, I got a Jag. I was like, all right, he's getting that reverb sound, too. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love reverb, man. Yeah. I, and, you know, I just recently wrote more like a surf song, and I'm trying to move more in into that realm, too, you know? Mm-hmm. But yeah, can we expect like a Misery Lou cover and like the next show? <laughs> <laughs> uh, maybe not that, but definitely a, a Link Ray cover. I, oh, like Rumble? <sighs> That'd be fucking awesome. I've been. I did a couple of live solo Rumbles. Yeah, which it sounds funny to say it that way. But <laughs> um, it's so cool because no words in that song, but if you play it, people feel it. You yeah. know, and like I've had shows where no one was paying attention, but I play Rumble and they just lose it. It's really know? funny because when that song like came out in the fifties, like it got banned because it was like starting riots. And I was like, this, it's fucking instrumental. Yeah. <laughs> it's just that good. You feel it. Yeah, you feel it in your gut. And it's only what like three chords. Like, yeah, it's <laughs> <laughs> not even like Miserly. It's doing all that like weird shit. It's like just three chords and just yeah. a bunch of distortion. Well. uh you know, and and that another thing I've been really getting into, um, that's partly surf is like spaghetti western. Music. Oh, like kind of in your Morricone, kind of all that. Yeah. yeah. Oh, Morricone is insane, mm-hmm. and just like how it's like symphonic, but then it's also westerny, but then it's got that that surf reverb twang. Like it's yeah. it's insane. It's it's really crazy because like the reason kind of spaghetti westerns have that music is because they couldn't afford an orchestra. Yeah. So they had to kind of make do with that kind of, you know, small band setup. They were like, we're gonna do it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean And that's like that's my fucking favorite Western music. I don't even know other fucking Western stores from those those movies. <laughs> it's it's um uh, it's been a real inspiration to me lately, for sure. Like just I'll be I'll just be driving somewhere and just, you know just that symphonic thing yeah. going on. I'm just like, I'm wearing my bandana, you know, that's my mask, <laughs> you know, and like, <laughs> uh, speaking of guitarists, like who are some, like the guitarists who kind of influenced your playing? Oh, um, oh, that's a good one. Um, you know, Hendrix was huge when I was a kid. I loved, I mean, that was really what got me into strats and into like electric guitar. And, you know, later on, you know, um, it's just, hmm. 
We can cut this part out. <laughs> Are you like mainly a Fender guy? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It just took me a long time to. For a while, I was into Gibson and into humbuckers, but like it's just too. It's too much. Yeah. You know, that that bright sound is like so much cooler, so mm-hmm. much more sharp and just precise and just cutting. You yeah. know, I it's, love that. It's also like twenty times lighter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like everyone kind of starts once it just kind of sees the image of like a Les Paul or Stratocaster and it's like you either like kind of swing each way, either way in that kind of spectrum you know I mean yeah I think that's I think that's really true I mean and you know I'll I also have a, a silver tone mm-hmm. that's really cool it's like a, one of the early like Dan Electro like it was the amp in case ones and those things are insane too like just so bright and just plucky you yeah. know it, it's I'm really into that shit it's so you can see those like guitars and like reverb for like hundred and fifty dollars they're from like fucking the 1960s yeah yeah those pickups the gold foil pickups from like i've seen Heisco, those yeah i like those too those are yeah those are good ones my guitarist he had like an old one of those he got it he got the guitar for free from like a garage sale oh. like the person was just like just take it <laughs> <laughs> didn't even know yeah, it was a awesome. part of fucking history <laughs> yeah i've had a couple of those japanese guitars you gotta find the right ones because mm-hmm. some of them will like play insanely well and some of them like need a overhaul yeah, like the neck is just out of shape. Yeah. Yeah. So would you, I guess, would you say kind of your acoustic and your electric stuff are kind of just like different reflections of you? Or would you say like one is kind of a better reflection of you than the other is? I would say it's um, it's not much difference between the two. Yeah. You know, like I, I really just, um, in a full band setting, you know, I have more opportunity to like air it out. You yeah. Know? And that's the main difference, you know, to be able to have space, mm-hmm. you know, and not not to say that my solo set doesn't have space, but it it is it has to be tighter, just yeah, based off of the nature of it. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's that's the main difference. I would say they're they're both pretty much me. Every once in a while, I will pull out like one of my older like folky country songs, yeah, <laughs> and that that's going back into a different thing, but mm-hmm. you know. I don't really, I don't really want to like, I don't, I really hate when people have to like box things in, you know, like I really want to like be able to play in the space and yeah. play in like aspects of like Southern culture with mm-hmm. like indie stuff and like not feel pressured to hold on yeah. to anything. I know we were talking, you were saying like you kind of call yourself indie rock because I feel like that is a genre that encompasses just a bunch of yeah. bands, like just bands like... uh spoon or like even like tegan and sarah that's indie but it's all under that kind of that banner label of being like indie rock you know yeah yeah well yeah and you know like uh, like phoebe bridgers you mm-hmm. know she's not necessarily folk but she has she's got the folk aspects yeah and i i kind of think of myself the same way mm-hmm. i think one thing i really like about indie rock and i kind of uh i think it's, per- it's persistent in your work and kind of indie rock as a whole is it's just this and this might be a controversial statement, but I feel like in kind of modern rock, there's kind of, it doesn't feel as resonant or like emotionally honest, but in indie rock, I feel like the reason people go to it is because it's so emotionally honest and you can just kind of just, you know, feel that. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I think that, I think that's for sure. Yeah. I mean, the DIY, anything in general is going to be like, I feel like more honest, you know, more like, I mean, like Bleaker that was on your last show. Like yeah. They are just so like strong yeah. you know like it's just like without like 
it you know it's just not commercial you yeah. know and it doesn't want to be yeah and that's not what i want to be either mm-hmm. it's not trying to like make like trying to just make a write a subject that like everybody can appeal to it's just kind of you know it's their story sometimes i'll write lyrics that i f- i write and they're like very you know the stereotypical like anthony yeah and but then i will like just try to change them to be as different as possible yeah because i don't want to like feed into that you know like what can how can i say this phrase but like in a in a new way yeah you know and that's really important to me i think it's funny because with songwriting i feel like there's like there's like a it's like a, a, a like a, a balancing act between like wanting to say something like in your own way but also at the same time you don't want to say it in like your own way someone's like i don't really get what this is, i don't really get it how's that like apply to me <laughs> yeah. yeah no yeah i mean yeah and and that you know is all about me maintaining the thing that keeps it personal and keeps it part of the human yeah experience you know mm-hmm. and that's that's a balancing act for yeah. sure so so you see went to college at auburn yeah oh nice mm-hmm. so kind of what was your what was your major there public relations oh okay yeah yeah and uh you know that helps with music yeah um one time i <laughs> I released like an album of old acoustic stuff that was more on my folky side, yeah. and uh, I wrote a press release <laughs> where I interviewed myself, really, and sent it to a newspaper, <laughs> and they published it. That's fucking dope. Yeah, yeah. Like, so, oh, sorry. Were they like, who's the interviewer? <laughs> <laughs> they didn't. They didn't care. They didn't care. And that's the thing, you know. That's the power of like good PR is like in the modern day. Uh, news publications are so like short-staffed that if you write them a good enough article and they don't have to do any work i mean it's easy to get that in there and if you have the relationships too obviously like a bigger publication is going to be harder to weave your way into but Mm -hmm. yeah who would you say are like some of your favorite bands kind of in the birmingham scene oh um dang like bleaker like them a lot yeah um lady legs I mean, they're kind of here. They're kind of split up now. Um, hmm. Oh, um, what are they called? Topsoil. Topsoil are killer. Those guys, I played with them at a bunch of shows, and they're great people, and his music is just, like, really... It's kind of like grunge rock. Yeah. But it's, like, so, like, personal and so, like, powerful. That's, That's one I really like. Um... Let me think about some other ones. Those are, those are probably my main three right there. <laughs> Captain Kutsu's good, you mm-hmm. know. Um, the bouquets are great. Yeah. Do you feel like kind of, um, I think we're like kind of interesting about the saying is that like, I feel like with the South and kind of like, I guess in like popular culture when people imagine like a Southern rock band or like a band that's in the South, they immediately think of like the fucking Almond Brothers or yeah, <laughs> where it's like there's such a varied kind of sound with that, you know. So I would like your sound, you it doesn't have like a that regional staple, you know. Yeah, well, cool. Not <laughs> I mean, it. Yeah, that is uh, that's tough because you know, like there are, and and you know, I think that's representative in the scene too. You know, you'll see bands who really are are so like you know, singing with a with absolutely no chance of there being an accent in their voice, you know, yeah. <laughs> and, and that is, uh, I mean, that's prevalent. There, there's, a, there's, a, there is a fear almost, of yeah, being of being like that. <laughs> too southern, and, yeah. And I, 
I kind of ignore that some because mm-hmm. my voice has got to be what my voice is going to be. Yeah, you know. And so if it if it gets <laughs> if the Prattville comes out, <laughs> <laughs> then then that's just what's going to happen. <laughs> I feel like your voice is like um, when you when you, you play with us. I was like, it kind of reminded me of like uh, the first thing I thought was like James Taylor. Really? Yeah. So that's nice. Thank you. <laughs> Shoot. Yeah. I um. I don't know. I obviously once again huge bob dylan fan yeah and you know there there are some people you can tell when they're like faking it you know when they're faking their their voice and yeah I, I really try my best not to do that but sometimes sometimes i do feel like there are songs where the song kind of forces your voice a different way you yeah. know whether it's the key you wrote it in or whether it's you know just the energy of it so would you say bob dylan's like your main vocal inspiration I guess so. Main delivery yeah. inspiration for mm-hmm. sure. Uh, uh, ma- main songwriter inspiration. I yeah. go all day on Bob. <laughs> Do you have a favorite album by him? A Blood on the Tracks. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's the one he wrote in the seventies uh, when he was getting a divorce, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, all of those songs are so powerful. Like, yeah, truly, like that album. It- it's, it's like super personal it's like super super barren you know Mm -hmm. like he a lot of the songs are just straight acoustic straight like very limited band like it's and the words you know the words and 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 the thing that's so cool about that album too is that it's all kind of about him but it's also none of it's about him (laughs) you know like every song and every lyric is like all these different characters and stories, but they all come back into this guy's psyche. Yeah. You know? I feel insane. like some of the best albums, like there's that, I guess kind of like that air of like, not tragedy, but there's like that air of like, you know, just a leading event, something culminating to like making that kind of, you know, happen, you know, that kind of brings a mood into that, you know, recording session. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. Oh man. Bob's voice. I mean, Bob on that album, you know, like, I really could go all day, <laughs> but he uh, just, you know, he is like so hurt and so angry and so just real. And like people always like after that were like, oh, yeah, it's about your wife, isn't it? He'd always be like, nope, nope, they're not about anybody, <laughs> you know, but it's like, but it, it can't be. And, yeah. that, and that's another thing, like songwriting is like how much of it is you and how much of it, even when you say it's not a about you is it tied to you it has to be yeah i've I feel like with songwriting i've tried to most of the time i try to not write from like a i'm kind of i tend to not write about myself i kind of just look at up situations observe them and write but i tried recently to kind of you know get into that mindset of writing you know about myself i, I read a review sometime where someone was like uh i guess one of my shows was like there was no it, there was like no personal connection to the song i was singing i was like well damn <laughs> that seems so me. <laughs> yeah. I and you know, I the songs that aren't about directly about me, you know, mm-hmm. like they've got they've got an air though of like truth from me, you know. Yeah. And it's just it's hard to get that out. But you just, is there like a certain I feel like every artist kinda of has like a cover song they kind of like inject like their personality and there's like a certain cover song that you do that you're kinda of like this is like you kind of take just take your energy and feelings into it and just make it your own. Hmm. There's a couple like that. Um, you know, um, 
I do a version of Buckets of Rain, which is a Bob Dylan song off of Blood on, on the, the Tracks. tracks yeah. <laughs> and uh, I do that with like this really airy guitar part, different from what he does, because yeah. I move just up and down the fretboard, and um, I added some chorus to it, because I like it, mm-hmm. like when it's just like, Hard to define, you know. Chorus is such an '80s sound, but then you bring it into this other thing. It, but uh, that's that's one I do a lot. That I'm just. It's kind of like the first song when I play a guitar that I play. I kind of just start playing that, and mm-hmm. it's it's kind of it's it's like a variation of like an old blues riff. But then Bob did it the way he did it, and then me, I'm trying to like, you know, just make it spacier. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> hard for me to say, like. Mm-hmm. There's a Bob Dylan album. <laughs> that is uh, another Dylan one now. <laughs> uh, there's this '80s Bob Dylan album that's called Infidels, mm-hmm. and it is uh, it's like him with this backing like band from Jamaica. Oh shit, and, that's cool. And uh, the dude from Dire Straits, Mark Knopfler. Mark Knopfler. Yeah, and uh, that album is insane. I love that album. It's like it's right after his religious phase, yeah. And so it's like literally like reggae rhythms with like Bob, Bob Dylan, Dylan singing and Mark Knopfler lead guitar parts. And that sounds so interesting. <laughs> yeah, it's insane. And it's like, I mean, it's some of the not all the songs on it are very good, but there's yeah. a couple of really good ones. There's a song called Joker Man, and it's about the devil, mm-hmm. <laughs> and like Bob Dylan is singing about. Um, you were born in a hurricane with snakes in both of your fist. And, like, it's just insane lyricism and insane, like, imagery. Do you ever, like, look back at, like, kind of, like, I guess, like, older Dylan, like, I guess in his, like, you know, 60s period? I guess I guess people call it, like, his classic period in a way. Yeah. yeah like, Harry for the one revisited or um, Blonde on Blonde. Yeah. Yeah. No, I love Blonde on Blonde. Yeah. I mean, and Highway 61, too, of course. It, and it, it kind of sucks sometimes because, like, people, when they think of Bob Dylan, they think of, like, the acoustic guitar guy. Think of, like, like, Mr. like uh, yeah. But his 70s albums are just insane. There's an album called Desire that's, like, all world music. Mm-hmm. And that's where he wrote the song Hurricane about... Um, about uh, the boxer, yeah. Yeah. Mm. And uh, Changing of the Guard is this song off of that next album that was, like, it's literally like eight minutes of him just talking about like, it's like insanely spiritual. He's like, they shaved her head while <laughs> Venus touched Apollo. And like, like it's like, it doesn't, it's insane. It's yeah. insane like imagery. And they, they, they like say that like every Bob Dylan album, he's like obsessed with something different. And that album's like the tarot time. <laughs> like that's the tarot <laughs> album. And uh, yeah, it's, he can be those albums can be overlooked. Another one, Time Out of Mind, that's like his like he wrote that in like ninety seven and it's like fifty year old Bob Dylan and the whole album is about death. Yeah. And like um I don't know why, but for me that that one is probably one of the, one of my closest. It's just, you know, this fear and this like understanding that the time is coming, you know? Mm. And how does a 57-year-old man make, like, I don't know, a 24-year-old associate with that. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, that is, it's insane. Yeah. Would you, um... Damn, I had, a, I had it there. What are you listening to right now? <laughs> oh, really, 
mostly just spaghetti western music mm-hmm. spaghetti western music and you know i really like the ventures right now mm. like the ventures are insane classic surf rock yeah yeah and and they do they do fun little things where they'll cover other bands but then just like change one word in the song as like a like a joke like they it's all instrumental but like like there's this one song where it's it's a cover of a song called Surf Rider, mm-hmm. but they just put Spudnik in front of it for some reason. <laughs> like, Spudnik, parentheses, Surf Rider. <laughs> <Sputnik. laughs> and I, I love that. I love, like, the surf the surf time period. The instrumental surf is so interesting. Yeah. Like, such a weird time in American music history. It is so odd, because, like, that's, like, it's, like, right at the end of the 50s, right before the British invasion, and, like, somehow America was just obsessed with surf music, even though, like, only like half the country fucking served. <laughs> like everyone, like. Well, and and what's interesting too is like how like that's like SoCal music, you know? Like yeah. Southern California also had like a huge like country western scene. Yeah. In like the 30s and 40s, like that area is just very interesting for like musical exploration. <laughs> like the fact that they just had country in like California for a while, and they were like big country hits out there you yeah know, it's, it's so weird california is like a weird scene because like you get surf rock and then you get into this that kind of psychedelic pop that you know brian wilson kind of perfected all that kind yeah, of stuff. yeah absolutely oh the beach boys i'm just now getting into the beach boys and uh they have an album surfs up oh i'm gonna add surfs up to my top five surfs oh, up okay. is up there yeah it's like it's like um pet sounds but it's it's more political this, is that right after Pet Sounds or no? They, oh man, they they didn't let they didn't let Brian do anything on the fir, out first or second album after Pet Sounds. Yeah, and finally in 1971 they let him do stuff again. He has a song on there called "Life of a Tree," where he's just talking about how he's decaying as like the the world burns. Like it's insane. The whole album is great. Yeah, like. I think it was like pet sounds and he did like smile. They couldn't like, they couldn't make. Yeah. 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 There's like a whole movie about like that period of like Brian Wilson's like, well, not like that period, but like the pet sounds period. And then like his like later, like coming back, you know, to yeah prominence period. Yeah. Smile is really good. Yeah. The whole thing, like it took me so long to get in, get past like super poppy beach boys. and get in Oh, like, like I get around. And, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's funny when you think of the Beach Boys, people immediately think of like those songs, like Surfing you Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> like the fuck is the Beach Boys then? It's like, no, dude, they have fucking hits. Yeah, and then that's the coolest part is when you like find music that you don't expect to be that good. You yeah, know? like and once you get to a point where you can like appreciate like genres you're not used to, that's mm. so cool. I guess this is, people use this, but like, is I don't know if you think this. Do you have any like guilty pleasure? artists or is like no artist like a guilty pleasure uh, no artist should be a guilty pleasure but you know i i do sometimes feel like a boomer for liking bob dylan as much as i do <laughs> like i try not to get too crazy on some bob dylan stuff with people because i don't want to be like yeah it's a feel but like i love him i yeah. love him so much so no no guilty pleasure mm. would you would you say there's music that you're like all right, if you showed, like, someone, like, I'm in the Toto, they're like, I don't know about that. Into Toto? Yeah. Africa is a great song. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Africa is a great song. We Built This City by mm. Jefferson Airplane, <laughs> or Jefferson Starship. Yeah, that's, yeah. That's that the... song is great. Yeah. 
Um, oh man, what else? Uh, like there's some really good like there are some songs like that where like it's like not like it's joked on so hard that you forget that like how good it is yeah, yeah that it's there you know I feel like people like remember Africa that they forget about Rosanna that 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 song's also by Toto or like hold the line oh yeah yeah no I yeah I forgot until you just said that <laughs> <laughs> it's really funny with Toto they actually like wrote um how the songs on like uh, Diller actually on what. Thriller by Michael Jackson. Really? Yeah, like Human Nature, I think it's by the guy from Toto, and the main riff and Beat It's by the guy from Toto. Wow. Yeah, I know. It's weird. Like, And they did it while they did like African stuff. So it's such like odd. Like, I'll tell you another weird one I found. Um, oh, Paul Simon. Graceland. Graceland. Yeah, that's a good one. Even though it's, you know, like complete cultural appropriation. Oh, it's so, <laughs> like, it's so he went to Africa and found himself. <laughs> it's like cultural appropriation in, in song. Yeah. <laughs> but it's like going to Graceland. <laughs> but uh but also like um I found this I found this song and it's U2 mm-hmm. with Johnny Cash. Oh, I feel like I know this song. Yeah. And it's called uh The Wanderer. Mm-hmm. And it's about like the end of the world apocalypse. Yeah. Raining fire, raining uh acid. And then it's also about Jesus somehow. <laughs> and like it's so it's like he's like talking about like wandering a desolate nuclear wasteland yeah and waiting for jesus to come and take him like that isn't i love that song <laughs> i feel like every u2 song is like a hint of jesus yeah <laughs> yeah and that's why you don't want to you know be too vocal into youtube <laughs> like, <laughs> I, I, I like youtube but like yeah they're like songs like the where the streets have no name and stuff that's not like they're not my favorite songs they've done you know well you know and like those songs and and that sucks about overplaying on songs is when like the like those are good yeah you know in the name of love is good yeah, but good like one. yeah oh, man every classic rock radio you know yeah. forever <laughs> it's like that sweet child of mine oh here's another guilty pleasure the eagles they I have some the good ass songs yeah. people hate on the eagles you're wrong <laughs> I, I want to certify that. Take it easy is a killer track. Mm-hmm. Desperado, it's a good one. It's so good. Uh, I have a, they have a song called "Victim of Love." Victim of Love, yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. Oh man, even Hotel California. It's a good. It's a good ass song. It's just it's overplayed. insane. Yeah. It's just insane, and yeah. like it got too big. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like they kind of took up like the middle with the Beach Boys. They had like those fucking awesome four part harmonies, especially in the live versions. You're like, oh shit, oh, yeah. That's why the Eels are fucking slapping. <laughs> <laughs> well, and you know, like. I love Jackson Brown too. Yeah, like Running on Empty. For a while, I would just listen to Running on Empty every time I got on the interstate. <laughs> I had a CD of it, <laughs> <laughs> and that I don't know. That's that's more dad rock. I like some dad rock. <laughs> I feel like yeah, it sucks because I feel like a lot of dad rock is like for the most part pretty good. Yeah, yeah. What do you think you're kind of like working on right now? I know you kind of did your EP 2018 and. 28 like another one 2018 what are you kind of working on right now at this moment uh yeah i'm working on another ep mm-hmm. six songs um started last year and uh you know basically just a lot of the songs well all of them except for one i've written since i moved to birmingham and uh have been influenced by just me being here mm-hmm. and uh yeah that's i think that should be out by next year are you kind of doing it like all live or Doing it, what? Like, kind of, like, live recording, like, all in this, like, all everyone kind of one space, or, like... Uh, no, so I actually, uh, I have a buddy named Josh, who, Josh Jackson, he's in a band called Make Sure, mm-hmm. another killer Alabama band, um, 
but he he has helped me record it and he put down a lot of the track like the drum tracks and the bass tracks and he helped me with like the vocals and like we worked on lead guitar stuff together we rewrote one song together like he is insane but yeah kind of just working with him throughout the year we've gone back and forth he lives in auburn so. oh no so like did you play like some of the bass on it too or the drums or kind of that was like he handling most of that Man, it was mostly him <laughs> it was mostly him i i kind of i put down the track the guitar parts i kind of told him where i wanted to go and he kind of like he took me he and he he's so this guy has like nine albums he's recorded himself oh, like, shit. and you know he's he's my age he's like yeah. 24 and uh or 25 but just the ideas he has have helped me so much. Like yeah. the, in that songs we've recorded, he just like, and he recorded my old, my EP with Wilk too, which yeah. was my old band. He uh, helped us do that. And he's just like a, I, I hate to say genius, but I really do think he's like a musical genius. <laughs> it's always nice when you see people like who are like your age and are like that like skilled. Cause like some people get kind of like turn off like, well, fuck, I wish I was like that. But I feel like for the most part, it's like really inspiring and be like, Oh shit, I can like get to that level too. Well, that's the thing about Josh too, is like, he's not, you know, he's not full of himself at all. He's yeah. just, you know, he just makes his music and he mm-hmm. just is unrelenting in that. And that's yeah. so cool. Um, but yeah, so I'm, Hoping to have that out by next year. I might shop it around a little bit to some labels, but I don't know yet. You're going to kind of work on like a full LP or kind of just stick with the kind of EP format? Probably just going to do the EP for right now. Yeah. I, I've got six songs. I could probably, I probably have a couple more that I could put on there, but you know, just want a little sampler. Is it going to be, I, I guess, so it's going to be like kind of mainly not just acoustic, but kind of like in a full band arrangement? Are you oh, kind of yes, getting to yeah. like kind of i guess we're kind of doing this so you can like kind of experiment in like different ways with this new material yeah yeah it's it's full band and um i i've got some songs on it that are like brand new that i wrote this year and uh it's it's moving away from like i i would say my last ep with wilk was definitely like a classic like rock kind of thing yeah like just full rock but like this is more like you know it's got some aspects of like some like lighter tones and you know just like i've got some 80s influences for sure i've fallen in love with chorus oh yeah (laughs) and uh you know uh and then you know some like i recorded one track on there that like really i felt like i felt like like i was hitting these high notes like led zeppelin or something i was like wow (laughs) this is it (laughs) uh but yeah so it's good it's got a lot of interpretation and influences and it's got you know the jangle pop thing going a little bit too so you can use that casio keyboard on there oh man (laughs) oh man josh put down some crazy keyboard parts on some of the songs it's just it's magical it's gonna be good (laughs) dope well, uh, Alex, I really want to thank you for coming on this. Um, you're awesome. I really dig your music. So thank, thank you. you. Thank yeah. you for having me. Oh, it's no problem. I dig your music, too. <laughs> <laughs> I want to thank Alex Wilkerson for coming in for today's episode. If you like his music, you can find it on Spotify, Apple Music, and all streaming platforms. I want to thank you guys for listening to this, uh, today's episode. And we'll have another one next week. You have a great day.